This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the March 23rd edition of the Windy City Podcast. Mark Carmen here and my guy, Adam Hogue, who kind of is leaving with leaving me, but staying with me all at the same time, is joining us. Uh, Adam, I, of course, have worked at WGN Radio, and he just got the big bump up to NBC Sports Chicago, but you're still a contributor at WGN, right? We're still teammates, Adam Hogue? Yeah, I'm, I'm still sticking around, talking Bears, White Sox, and yeah, it's a- uh, big new job, NBC Sports Chicago, and uh, two days into the job. Congratulations, there are no sports. <laughs> it's scary, though, right? Like, you just got this gig, but, like, what am I supposed to do, and how am I supposed to show you my value? You just hired me. It is uh, it is very bizarre. So I'm covering White Sox and Bears, and obviously, given the timing of it being March, you're focused on – the White Sox season about to start. I was supposed to go to Arizona uh, just a few days after starting the job to get a taste of spring training. And that trip quickly got canceled, which was good because 24 hours later, all the spring training was canceled. And now the only thing going is NFL free agency. So at least that's going on. So all of a sudden it's kind of business as usual for me covering, covering bear stuff. But, um, yeah, it's just bizarre times right now, uh, obviously in the entire world, but especially in the sports world, as we're watching reruns of Bulls Heat 1996, which I'm definitely not complaining about. Um, Did I not see a video but, hey, of your young son just who's a huge Jordan fan now? Because he does he think Michael's actually playing games right in your face? Like, that's like live... Well, I- yeah, I'm starting to worry that, that maybe he doesn't understand that these games were played 24 years ago. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, hey, if he does think it's it's present time, I mean, he's living the dream that you and I lived, right? He, he doesn't have to know that right now the Bulls are not good at all. And he can just relive the glory days, which we're doing. But for him, it's like it's the first time it's happening. I think it's harmless. I think it's great. And the best thing about the coronavirus is that old Bulls games are being played on NBC Sports Chicago. It literally makes my day. There's Ron Harper. There's Mike. There's Scotty. Oh, and there's Tim Hardaway having an incredible performance for the Heat right now. And I didn't even realize he had that game. It was, it was, I, was, I mean, I've been having the time of my life watching it. So, because it doesn't matter because the Bulls are so good that one player is going off for the Heat and they're still, the Bulls are still up by 20 showing how dominant they are and the depth that the guys coming off the bench, uh, you know, guys that you, that you, tr- like I, I game one, Dennis Robin didn't even start. That's weird. You, you talk about the big three and Rodman wasn't even starting because they, I, I guess Phil was worried about him, ag- you know, getting agitated early and, um, they figured that that was going to be a strategy that Pat Riley and the heat were using, which is probably correct. Um, so he didn't want him to get in foul trouble early. So he started Tony Kukoc and like as big of a Tony Kukoc fan as I was, like you forget how good he actually was. Like he was a legitimately good player. No question. And if you go all the way out to 98, he was in the 98 finals. He was the number two guy on that team. Like Robin had faded down. Mike was still hanging in there uh, and, hitting the game-winning shot in Game 6 and all that and had a phenomenal series. But Tony was the most other consistent player. Scotty was hurt. Kukoc was a hell of a player. Doesn't get enough respect. I love that he's hung, that he hangs around here, too, like he's at the United Center all the time. 
Yeah. Well, does he work for them? I, yeah, he's got some. I think he's like in charge of European scouting or something. Is that right? Tony's. Uh, now I got to look it up. Live I on. think he has some big job like that. Tony Kukoc Bulls. Job title. Uh, well, he's doing something. I love him. He's doing something over there. And what pops up here is the Overlook star that is Tony Kukoc, Chicago Bulls. Uh, and I'm watching Pippen highlights. He's These guys were out of their mind. But, hey, uh, all right, Adam Hogue, let, let's talk a little Bears here. And I want to start at the top here because nothing mattered until they did something with the quarterback, and they've done something. Nick Foles is here, conditional fourth-round draft pick, competition for Mitch. Uh, I, I put out a piece at Fansided saying that this is like moving forward but still looking back. Like, I feel like they're they're – they're cutting ties, but they're like they like they broke up with their girlfriend, but they're still going on dates for the next couple of weeks to see if they can work it out. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, and I, I think the the tricky thing is like if you were to go out and obviously they showed some interest in, in Teddy Bridgewater. Um Teddy Bridgewater would have been a guy that he comes in, he's the starter. Like it's not even a competition really. You know, you're spending that much money, you're paying a guy uh, not just for one year, but long-term three-year contract. Um, that's a guy that you're you're acknowledging is taking over the job. I I understand why the Bears might want to do that or had interest in doing that, but I'm not totally convinced yet that Teddy Bridgewater is that much better than Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, he certainly looked good in that five-game stretch. He went five and zero, oh and um, you know, won at Soldier Field this past season, but the the gap in what you were going to pay and commit to Teddy Bridgewater to me was way bigger than I'm actually convinced that he's that much better, you know, that much of an upgrade. So, and, and at the end of the day, they weren't willing to, to pay what the Panthers wanted to pay. And quite frankly, it was a better fit for him there going with Joe Brady. So I, I kept coming back to Nick Foles over the last couple months for a number of reasons, um, one being the tie-ins he has his coaching staff, his relationship with Matt Nagy, uh, going back to Bill Lazor, which was his best season with the Eagles back in 2012. Bill Lazor was there at that time. And then when he came in and won the Super Bowl and was Super Bowl MVP with the Eagles in his second stint, his quarterback's coach was John Filippo. So all those guys being on the Bears staff told me that, hey, if the Jaguars are willing to let this guy go, you do it. And there's all this talk about his crazy contract, and it is a it was a regrettable contract for the Jaguars. What people aren't realizing is that the bad part of that contract was mostly in the signing bonus, which doesn't come over to the Bears. So Jacksonville's bad contract does not mean that it's now Chicago's bad contract. Is it a pricey potential backup? Absolutely. But I choose to look at it more like a, a, a pricey insurance policy, which right now you need for Mitchell Trubisky, who I'm, I actually am in the camp of people who think it's not yet time to just totally cut time, uh, uh, cut ties with him. I just, I, he had so many valid excuses last year and no help around him that I personally would like to see him have one more chance. Am I optimistic that it's all going to work out? Not necessarily, but I do want to see this guy in a real quarterback competition with a proven veteran who not only is a very good backup quarterback, Nick Foles, now I'm talking about, but has shown you that he can come in on a winning team and win in the playoffs to the point where he was Super Bowl MVP. So to me, you add all that up, it makes perfect sense for the Bears right now, at least in 2020. All right, so you sold me. I'm in. I'm on the Adam Hogue, Nick Foles Mitchell Trubisky still has a shot to be good. Let's find out. And if not, you have a great insurance policy and he can step in and he knows the offense. So let's imagine that we have NFL training camp. We've whatever, or somehow some hope. Let's, I mean, I think it's a huge, huge if at this point and stay safe out there, everybody, you know, this, but uh, just worth mentioning when we look to the future and everything that's going on with the coronavirus. But last year, I mean, Mitchell Trubisky hasn't played in the preseason. So are they going to actually put him out there and say, hey, you better go prove it out there in the four preseason games, or are they just going to determine it at training camp? I, that That's an interesting part of this to me. Yeah, I, 
I mean, to me, you have to um, play these guys more in the preseason. Uh, you know, at, at this point, you probably have a better sense of security about what Nick Foles will be for you. Uh, he And he knows the offense. Now, he doesn't know it inside now because things change. And it's been a while since he was necessarily with Matt Nagy. And he obviously expanded things. So there are still things for Nick Foles to learn. But for the most part, he's going to come in pretty comfortable. And, but, you know, I keep, it's a good thing you bring up here, Carm, because that's the one thing I keep going back to last year and that the bears were, were convinced that Mitch was going to take the next step because if there was any doubt in their mind, he would have played in the preseason and he didn't. So there was definitely a misevaluation there about where Mitch was. And they were convinced that he got that level 202 that Matt Nagy talked about all year. And obviously he wasn't there. So look, I understand the risks of playing your starters in the preseason, but I think given where they're at now, you absolutely have to see it on the field. It can't just be in practice. Um, so yeah, I think, I think Trubisky and Nick Foles, if this is a true competition and whoever else is in there, by the way, I still think the Bears should draft a quarterback. Me too. That whole spiel I just went on about Nick Foles and how he makes sense right now in 2020 he doesn't necessarily make sense in the future. Like if he ends up being the starter, then he's not going to be the starting quarterback for 10 years. If Mitch somehow figures it out and clicks, well then maybe you sign the contract extension and in a perfect world, it all works out long-term. Probably not, but maybe with Nick Foles, you know where he's at in his career. You know, he's a great backup average starter who can lift you up. If everything's perfect around him. You still need to take another swing. You got to take another swing with a young quarterback. Those are the cheapest quarterbacks you can find. I don't know if it's in the second round or later, the fifth round, which is your next pick now after the second. But I would take another swing in the draft of the quarterback. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why Jacksonville was able to make that trade because they took a swing in the sixth round. They got Gardner Minshew. He shocked the hell out of everybody. And they were willing to roll the dice and move forward, which the Bears obviously could have done last year. They didn't. So you never know uh, who you – that's why you get paid the big bunny to be the scouts that you are and, and Ryan Pace to make the decisions on draft day of picking a guy in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. And most times it's not going to work out, but sometimes it will. So uh, I'm 100% on board. Draft a quarterback. Uh, bef- before I, you, you talk about Robert Quinn real quick here and, and Leonard Floyd, and I want to get your thoughts on Jimmy Graham to Adam Hogue. Uh, the concept that Mitch Trubisky needs competition – that one I don't quite get. Like, I feel Mitchell Trubisky is working his ass off. And Matt Nagy did say some things, though, about, like, that he really needs to understand the offense more and get in that film room, which makes me think, is he just sitting in the film room and is he, like, playing Sudoku in there? I don't know what he's doing. But yeah. but, but I, I feel like he's in the room. So the whole thing that, like, well, this might kick Mitchell or Mitch into gear, like, I, I can't. I don't see that. Like, I feel like he's the guy's been working as hard as he can. He he just maybe he just hasn't had enough talent around. If you want to be optimistic, or the other side is that he's just not good enough. One, it's it's one of the two in my mind. Yeah, you know, it's a fair point because I don't necessarily think Mitch Mitch Trubisky is a guy who's not focusing or not putting the work in. Um, everything we've heard and seen, you know, on and off the record over the last three years, the one the one thing you can never complain about with Mitch is that he's a great teammate. He puts the work in. He's in there all the time. No one's ever questioned that. You know, he's a good leader, and his teammates really do genuinely love him. You know, there's no question about that, like there was under Jay Cutler, about his teammates loving him. Low to bat for him. Um, So it's a fair point that you bring up because that suggests that there's just a disconnect in the learning, right? It's not necessarily the effort that he's putting in or the work that he's putting in. It's just it. the arrows are pointing at him being a quarterback that it just doesn't click. The game doesn't slow down for him, and he doesn't read the coverages properly. He doesn't feel the, see the field properly. Now, that is a thing that can improve over time with experience, potentially. But to your point, I don't know that this is a – situation where oh just because there's there's competition coming in all of a sudden it's going to pressure Mitch into doing more work to figure out I think I think he's doing the work so I think it's a good point now 
That's why I don't necessarily view it like that. I just view it as the Bears covering their bases, purchasing an expensive insurance policy because they understand that this window, their competition window, is already getting dangerously close to shutting on the defensive side of the football. And Nick Foles is a guy that has shown that if he has the right pieces around him with a good defense, he can come in there and win you ball games. The problem is, and this kind of maybe transitions to the rest of the conversation, Carm, where are the rest of the upgrades? You know, Nick Foles, great. But ideally, he's still your backup quarterback. The next guy you brought in is Jimmy Graham, who's definitely on the downside of his career. Might be an upgrade over what you had last year at the tight end position, but he's not the difference between getting this whole thing on offense, which was disastrous last year, and making it suddenly work, okay? Where are the upgrades to the running game? Nothing has happened there. What about the offensive line? Nothing has happened there. To me, that is very concerning right now. Those are great points. And when Todd Gurley got released, I'm like, are you guys interested in that? And maybe he wanted to go back to Atlanta. I don't know. But And he's also got some knee injuries, uh, knee concerns, is a better way of putting it, that might make you hesitate. But that was an interesting guy to have out there, and I and the guy, the dude is awesome as a as a as just a guy. I would have loved to have seen it. He would have been a breath of fresh air around here. Um, but whatever. So yeah, they haven't. And I think the bigger one is the offensive line too. Look, you you, you it has to be addressed. How are they going to do it? Do it in the draft? Well, okay, that's yeah. you know that's that's a, <laughs> it's a heavy lift. Which is which makes me wonder. Like, okay, you're going to have hopefully a healthy Akeem Hicks. Which should get Khalil Mack, I would think, back to his level of productivity in 2018. Thank you. So to spend a bunch of dough on Robert Quinn when really anybody that you would put in that spot, minus Leonard Floyd, could be a very effective player. It's it just surprised me that they were willing to spend, you know, five years and seventy million, thirty guaranteed on Robert Quinn when you have so many other needs. Did you see it like that? Um, I guess. My my question wasn't so much on the micro level of of Robert Quinn, who seems to have figured it out right now in his career. Um, he he is a proven pass rusher, and he's better. There's no question of getting after the quarterback. He's better than Leonard Floyd. The production is there, and I do think you plug him, Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, all out there at the same time. That is very dangerous. So um, I like it in that sense. And I also want to point out, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with if you're going to put your money in the quarterback and pass rusher, that's okay. Those are the money positions. So that's fine. To me, though, it was more so the, the bigger picture, which was not only was it Robert Quinn, but it was Jimmy Graham and also re-signing Danny Trevathan, which is a move I like. But when you put it all together and you zoom out, you're talking about three guys over 30. This is a, a shift from what Ryan Pace has done in the past, which was avoid guys that are getting close to 30, really on those third, fourth contracts, right? Focus guys that are going into their second contract um, and are a little bit younger because once you hit that 30 mark, usually it's only you always end up regretting it somewhere down the road with the money because it's just how the NFL works. It's how football works. So, um especially when it comes to re-signing Danny Trevathan and then signing Robert Quinn. I don't hate those moves. I actually like those moves. But it is interesting when you zoom out and you just go, look, chances are you throw Jimmy Graham in there. There's going to be some regrets in there somewhere. And that cap room just keeps shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And meanwhile, you haven't addressed the offensive line. You need another receiver. Um, yeah, I still think you could probably use another tight end. I mean, there's, there's other needs out there. And like their solution right now is strong safety. It's, it just goes to show you it's going to, it's going to hurt you somewhere is um, Jordan a guy Lucas. No one's ever heard of. Yeah. A guy no one's ever heard of for a year and 1 million and then bringing back Deion Bush, who's never really proven to be a starter. And meanwhile, who's your other corner? So I don't hate that they invest in the pass rush, but I, it, things aren't going to be as tight on the back end as it, as it has been in recent years. Challenging choices for Ryan Pace, who yeah. let's just say for a record for the record that whatever it just goes sideways this year. Bears go five and eleven, and I'm happy that we had football by the way. And and okay, they went five and eleven. 
Do you see either Matt Nagy and or Ryan Pace in, in any level of trouble if, if they miss the playoffs and they're under 500? You said 5-11? and 11? Yep. Okay, how about 6-11? Five and eleven. No, no, yeah, no. I think I think five and eleven would be really hard to swallow. Um, and I also think there's too much talent on the team still. And if you ended up at five and eleven, some things have gone severely wrong. Where you're questioning, you're questioning who's in charge then under that scenario. Which is why I don't really think that's going to happen. I, I think what would be more likely is that they just miss the playoffs barely, like eight and eight, nine and seven. It doesn't go their way. Uh, remember, you're getting the extra wild card this year. That's so, a yeah, good point. You know that that could help them, you know, salvage a, a playoff spot. But um, I, I just I think if you look back at last season and how poor the offense was, really from start to finish, the job Matt Nagy did. And Matt Nagy is getting a lot of criticism, and rightfully so, for offensive stuff. I I like to split them into two people because I think Matt Nagy. The offensive coordinator still has a lot to prove, but I think Matt Nagy, the head coach, actually has proven a ton. You know, he took a a, a team in his first season a, a, to the playoffs and ended up being coach of the year. And then last year, yeah, things didn't go great. They didn't live up to expectations, but that locker room easily could have fallen apart, and it didn't. They even won three games in a row late in the year. You know, so I think that, and the fact that they even finished eight and eight, not that I'm you know, celebrating that. But I do think that given how the season was going, there are some signs there that the head coach knows what he's doing as a head coach. Offensively, he obviously has a lot to prove. So I would say it's very, very unlikely that Matt Nagy uh, would end up being out after three years. Um, Ryan Pace, though, if there was a disastrous 5-11 and type season, I could see it happening. But I'm here to tell you, He's still very well liked in that building. Um, he's very well respected in that building. And unless things completely fall apart, I would be surprised. Um, but it does put the Bears in a tough position because I think there's only one year left on this contract then and at that point. And I, I don't know that you could justify extending him. Right. So, like, Trubisky goes south. Yeah. You punt on Trubisky. And now you're sitting there. Do I allow the GM to continue on and whatever, bring in the next quarterback if for some reason that, well, it's not going to be Nick, Nick Foles forever. Bottom line, I, I asked the question, but I don't think any of them are going, I don't think they're going anywhere. It doesn't feel like there's any appetite for that at House Hall. Exactly what you said. Ryan Pace seems very well liked there. They like the head coach. They most definitely want him to do well. And if and 5-11 and 11 was too tall. But to what you laid out, which I think is the, the fair, bad season for the Bears, they just missed the playoffs, 7-9, 8-8, and 9-7, it's not good enough. I, I don't think that you'll see uh, any any changes, which will upset my post-game show host, uh, Ed O'Brien, oh, yeah. Dan Hampton. Um, <laughs> but I just, wanted, I just wanted to get your take on that. Hey, uh... Adam, before you go, how are you handling the, the uh, coronavirus at home? You've got you got the young son, you got the wife, you got yourself, um, and I guess you spend more time at home than maybe a lot of people because you're you know you're covering the Bears and you're you're out at House Hall, but you're home a bunch. But this is this is some different stuff right now. Yeah, you know, I mean, real life stuff. Uh, got the actually just a couple hours ago as we record this, just got the uh, inevitable email I've actually been expecting for days from the uh, school district saying that uh, somebody that was at the school, actually the last day James was in school, uh, did confirm uh, as a confirmed case of, of COVID-19. Oh so um, that's a little nerve wracking. Uh, I think we all have our own like kind of opinion. I, 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 I'm just kind of at the point, Carm, that I feel like we've all sort of been exposed to it or, you know, it, it seems to be well beyond the reach of what we actually know because there just hasn't been enough testing. And so I guess what I'm saying is I'm not surprised at all to get that email. Um, and I just, you know, I hope that the exposure was limited. There's obviously no way of really knowing who came in contact with that person, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, it's a little nerve wracking because my son does have some, you know, some extra genetical issues he's, he uh, deals with and his immune system can be somewhat compromised, but 
he's doing well. You know, he he doesn't he doesn't show any signs of being sick, and um, hopefully it stays that way. But all I can say to people is just, I guess, try to remain calm because I think more of that's going to happen where we all find out, um, you know, someone we know somewhere has been around somebody. It may even trace back to ourselves somehow, uh, which is nerve wracking. But all we can do is stay in our own spaces, limit exposure, and make the best of this. I mean, this there are some positives, you know, like I spent more time playing with my kid the last four or five days than probably have in a long time. So um, just kind of cherish those moments because you kind of have to dig for them, Carm. But I, I mean, I think there are some positives that we can at least take out of it somehow if you're a dog the coronavirus is the greatest thing that's ever happened yeah. right cats too probably although they're a little more quirky and they like their time alone so they're like why the hell are you on this bed when i'm normally sleeping here for five hours when you're gone but yeah and exactly right make make the best of it and judging by the videos that i see of james he, he doesn't look like he's got anywhere close to any coronaviruses the dude looks the, the happiest kid ever right now just running around like a straight lunatic, which is the way it should be. So it's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, he's in heaven because, you know, <laughs> he gets to be home and play all day and every day. No school today? Yay! <laughs> That's no. the other thing, too. Like, they're saying, like, this sucks for the kids. Dude, 10-year-old Carm would have been so damn excited that, we were, that there's no school. Now, however, if you told me that camp was going to be canceled, then I'd be pissed. But... <laughs> if I was, well, a, that might be coming. Yeah, it, I think it is coming. I hope it's not, but the likelihood is that it probably is. Like thirteen-year-old Edgewood Junior High School, Carm. Oh my God, this would be a godsend. I'd love, I'd love to get out of there. Although now, if you got to sixteen, then I couldn't go to Multiplex to see the Bulls practice. Now, now, now we're now we're getting into a area that would be disappointing. Uh, yeah, but it is, it is, it is extremely challenging because. Um, obviously everybody's pretty much working at home now. Uh, not everybody. I mean, even my wife has to, she's going to work tomorrow because she is an occupational therapist and she works with older adults at a facility. Yeah. So, I mean, wow. she's, she's definitely one of the people that, um, you know, I, I you know, anybody who's a, who's a nurse, um, you know, doctor, obviously, but therapist, anybody, there's a lot of people right now that are still out there working and working with vulnerable people. So um, definitely thinking about all those people. But in terms of being at home, you know, this has been a big challenge for parents because it, the best thing I think we can do with the kids is try to get them on some schedule. Uh, I know James's teacher has been amazing because she's been sending daily videos of her reading a story. So we can, you know, airplay that to the, TV and it's kind of like her, his teachers there reading, you know, stories to him. Um, but try to keep them on sk schedule because at the same time, you know, I like many other people, I'm sitting here with my laptop open trying to work, and that's next to impossible when you have young children at home at the same time. So um, it tests your sanity a little bit. But so I say, just stay calm, keep looking for positives and try to keep the kid on a schedule. I think it'll go a long way. Yeah, for real. Props to all the moms and dads out there who are uh, different times for sure. Hey, Adam Ho, congrats on the gig again. Thrilled that you joined the podcast today. We appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to talking some White Sox with you if and when we get baseball. Fingers crossed on that. God, I hope, I, I hope we get baseball. You know, the only plus of this, Carm, one last point, is I have been – begging for years now to shorten the baseball season because I think it'll actually be I think it'll be more entertaining like I'm somebody who I love 162 games like I give me as many games as possible but I think the game's in somewhat of trouble and I've been saying for years you shorten this to 120 and you you make it more of a sprint than a marathon I think it's more exciting I think more fans go to the ballpark I think ratings go up I, I think it, it it it'd be great now unfortunately I think we're going to end up with an extreme example where we're talking to 81 or less. And I, that's not any inside information. That's just me reading how this thing's going right now. Um, so I think that's a little too short, but 
hopefully we have some baseball. And when it does come back, I can't wait to see what it looks like because I do think there could it could be a lot of fun to have like a sprint this year. Uh, I just hope it happens because obviously the White Sox have been gearing up for this year and it looks so exciting and so promising. So got to get out there on the field at some point. Yeah, that part of it, the White Sox ready to we're just ready to see it, whatever it was going to be, whether it was 75 wins or 95 wins or anywhere in the middle. Like, let's let's go. Uh, I, I just don't know how they're going to do it, If we're just to throw my two cents in there. I, I could see it happening without fans. You have got you get the testing, and they're, they're speeding along with that where you can get the test, and you know on the same day. So basically, you might be testing the players every single day, and you, you all pass, and you all can play. But to let people in to watch the games, I don't know how they're going to do it. You sit, you sit yeah. in seat one, and you sit in seat five. Like you can't do that. So I, I get, but I don't think that, that baseball would. If you could get the players out there safely, I think you wouldn't punt on the season and you'd put it on TV because there's so much TV dollars to you know that's being spent. You're not you. They need some revenue. So that's what I. Th- that's how I see it happening this summer, which would suck, but would be better than nothing. Well, and you, you hit on the, the key point there, though. We have to get the testing because people need to know. That's the hardest thing right now is that, that we don't know. Like, I was on a plane last week. I came home. I kind of had a cough. It's the kind of cough I would never, ever, ever, ever call the doctor about. But given everything going on, I did. And they actually asked me to come in. But I got there, and there's no test. And they said people who have showing all the symptoms – that they've seen, they can't even get them tested. So that's a huge problem because the people I could have, I could have been maybe one of the people that's walking around almost asymptomatic or asymptomatic and been contagious and not known it. Right. So that's the problem that you're getting at here. If we can get everybody tested and they know if they have it or not, whether they're showing symptoms or not, then you immediately can identify who really needs to be self-isolating completely and who doesn't need to be. And then I think we can start getting back to a sense of normalcy at some point. Um, But it just seems so far away right now, doesn't it? It does. And I mean, just thinking back to my, you know, your plane experience too. I was sitting there at Northwestern. I'm interviewing Derek Pardon at the half. Hey Derek, what were you doing this, uh, this season? Oh, I was playing overseas in Italy. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was lucky. I got on the last plane out. Now, I've shaken the guy's hand. He's, you know, I'm like, oh, my God. And I basically, in my own hypochondriac world, convinced myself that I had it. And I had no symptoms. Like, I get a little a bit of a headache. You know, but, but you start worrying about things and not knowing that stuff can manifest itself. And all of a sudden, you feel like you're sick and you're not sick. So, yeah. Um, and then I'm, but... You know, and then my wife's told me, you can't go to work. And I'm like, I don't have a fever. I don't have anything. There's no, there's no, you know, and he, it's not like if he didn't test positive, he, he was a thousand, he was the healthiest guy I've ever seen. He was in a great mood. So, you know, and that's, that's three weeks, that's three weeks ago now. So I'll, I would like to think knock on wood that I was, you know, that he's fine. I'm fine. But I was texting Northwestern by saying, Hey, you hear anything about Derek Parnon? Like, like relax guy you're fine i'm like okay i'll stop bothering you gavin skelly <laughs> yeah but no but that's fair because you just don't know and and like in my case honestly i didn't even really want to get tested because i knew there was a shortage and i'd much rather give it to somebody who's showing way more right. symptoms than in trouble but in my specific case too and i'm certainly not the only one that's having these same worries like like i talked about earlier i have a son at home that his immune system could be compromised. But even more important than that to me right now is my wife working as an occupational therapist and seeing older adults, you know? And right. It's like, I, what are you supposed to do? And I don't know. And exactly. Was the, was I just kind of inventing a cough in my own mind just because I was paranoid like so many other people are right now? I don't know. It went away. Everybody, everybody seems fine. So it's, uh, it's just, unfortunately, um, and I guarantee you a lot of people listening to this right now are having the same types of conversations at home. For sure. They don't know who they've come in contact with. They might have a slight cough. Uh, a lot of people like just have colds right now. It's still the end of winter. You know, a lot of people are just regular sick and that's, and right now, if I had a cold, I would be 
completely paranoid. Well, hopefully, at least as far as Chicago is concerned, and I, I don't think we're super ahead of the curve, but it doesn't feel like we're enormously behind as far as getting people indoors. So, I mean, I, I nobody knows what the numbers are going to be, and obviously they're going to go up. But I'm just I'm crossing my fingers that we're we're all doing our part here, and uh, we we won't. Uh, it, it, it won't get super, super ugly out there, but, uh, who knows what's going to be. It, it feels like, you know, we're, we were s- speeding towards a stoplight and we find, we looked up and we saw red and like, like and jammed on the brakes and hopefully we stopped fast enough, but who the hell knows? Like it, that's, that's how it feels to me. I hope so. And, uh, yeah, just be safe out there. Please, please, please listen. And, don't put yourself in and I, and I hear from the people too, like people I play basketball with, they're like trying to organize games outside because the gym's closed. It's like, no, stop. You have to stop. Just, just be smart because the, this is the biggest thing. I, I saw this on Facebook today and I think it's the best way to put it. The more you ignore these orders to stay home, the longer we're going to have to stay home. Right. And it's really that simple. And also, like when I keep on hearing, well, it doesn't really impact the young and as much, and I'll survive. And if I get it, my my, yeah, okay, you you might not, you might have a mild case, but I also see people who are, well, I'm a little bit older than you, but around my age, close to your age, whatever, and they describe it as an absolutely miserable experience with a fever of 103 and they and they're beyond tired and just it, they they can barely function for an hour. Yeah, even if I get through that, I don't want that experience. I really really don't. That sound it sounds awful. And so, which is part of the the current plan over here Adam. I I'm doing my vitamin A, my vitamin C, my vitamin D. I throw on my multivitamin. I got this oregano pill that I'm also taking, which is not weed, but what the vitamin shop told me to take. So, I mean, I'm taking, I'm eating as healthy as I can. I'm taking my vitamins. I'm trying to get my rest. I'm doing my, you know, it's trying to get some cardiovascular in there too, but you don't want to get this man. You, uh, you know, you just, you just don't. So, so be smart about yourself, you know, take care of yourself. Uh, all right. Hey, thanks for being on Adam Hogue. You're the man. Congrats on the, the new gig. Can't wait to see you on the, on the screen covering White Sox, covering Bears, and reading you, of course, the first couple of pieces you put out have been phenomenal. Loved it. I was super impressed by the Nick Foles piece. You got that out in like three seconds. I'm like, did he know that Nick Foles was coming here for like a month? How the hell did he get that piece out so fast? With that, with that well, much... I have been talking about it for like three months. <laughs> you had a lot of information in there, dude. That was, it was, I'm like, holy shit. This is, this is impressive. Hogue is on his game, which is not surprising at all, but I was, I still, I was, it was, I was happy to read it. Like, this is good stuff. Thanks, Carb. I appreciate it. Be well. Take care of yourself. Same to all your listeners. You too, brother. All right. That is Adam Hogue. It's the Windy City Podcast. Stay safe out there, y'all. 17 seasons in the big leagues. He won four World Series. He's an eight-time All-Star. He's got one of the sweetest swings you'll ever see and has done a whole lot in his life. Rode the roller coaster and just great to be with Daryl Strawberry always and Daryl, great to talk to you today. I know we're going to talk about, uh, we might as well talk about the American Cancer Society and colon cancer right at the start here because that's why you're here. And, um, you know, I, just to let you know, I mean, my, my mother passed away from colon cancer all the way back in 1987. I routinely get checked. So do my brothers. Uh, I know you're a cancer survivor. So this is something that, uh, even in these crazy times, it's something we need to be thinking about. Yeah, we do need to be thinking about it, Mark. And then, you know, and I'm, um Condolence to see you about your mom passing on that, you know, and I, I understand, you know, cancer and, you know, my mom passed from cancer and my sister, but colon cancer is, is, is dear to my heart because I had it twice and I lost my left kidney in my second surgery. Uh, most people just kind of uh, go, go about it that I had cancer, but they don't know the difficult time that one must go through. And, and that's why this campaign is so, so, so good. Let's get, let's get checked. You know, it's so good. It's the opportunity for people uh, to think about it in, in, in these times right now is to get yourself checked. You know, it, it, it's not costly. It's $69, and, and you can do it at home and get your results in the week, and at least you'll know where you're at. I, I, I think we've gotten away from wanting to know where we're at with things because of 
busyness and fear, and we, we need to get past that. And you know, so many people uh, find find themselves, you know, not knowing uh, that they have this problem, and and it could be there. You know, you could be healthy. I was healthy and, and playing Major League Baseball in '98, and there I was, you know, with a tumor inside of me and running around the bases, and you know, I knew I had blood in the stool and. I was fatigued and I lost weight. You know, those were all signs, but I didn't know at the time. So I'm just here to try to encourage people and make them aware. You know, this campaign is is really a campaign that can help you and maybe save your life. Well, you touched on a lot there, Daryl, and you mentioned fear. And I think one of our strategies as a society is to numb ourselves out from it, right, in, in different ways. And we don't want to address it. We want to act like it's not there. So you know, for you on your journey, like how did you get the courage to, you know what, I, I'm not going to run from that. I'm actually going to find out what I need to do in whatever the circumstance is and, and be as present and as vulnerable and as scary and as moving forward as I can, if that makes sense. Well, I think the most important thing is you got you got to really be open to listening to someone outside of yourself and outside of family members because, you know, everybody has opinions. But uh, I was really open to the fact to to my doctors and uh, they really encouraged me and, and really helped me get through that process. And, and that's why it's so important when you uh, have a campaign like this and you have a group of people that know what they're dealing with, they can help you uh, make, make clear decisions because you have to be able to be ready to make clear decisions. So if you make the wrong decision, it could be costly. Uh, and I think a lot of times we all want to uh, have our opinions about it, but I, I, I leaned on the doctors and, and it just made, it made all the difference in my situation because uh, I was, like I said before, I was in such great shape, so that really helped, you know, when it cut me open, that it kept the tumor in one place. And a lot of times people are not going to be in the same kind of physical shape that I am, that I was in, and, and have these symptoms that I had. So you you, you got to prepare yourself to allow yourself to listen to someone who knows what they're talking about and, and don't take it lightly, you know, take it to heart and let let them help you make the right decision. What was the hardest part about getting through it for you? Well, I think the hardest part was about, it was overcoming the fact of uh, uh, the trauma that your body goes through and, and, and taking chemo for six months. Uh, that, that process was very difficult. I, I, there were a few times I just wanted to give up on that, and my doctor kept pushing me and saying, no, you got to take it. Uh, uh, you got to go through uh, this period, you know, the first time when I was, diagnosed with it, you know, 98, yeah, and and I had the chemo, and I didn't, I didn't want to take it anymore, and then it reoccurred again in 2000, because I, I had to get through a five-year window, um, and then I ended up losing my left kidney in the second surgery, so it was, it was really hard going through that process of uh, taking chemo, because I remember my mom, she didn't want to take radiation no more when she had terminal breast cancer. Yeah, yeah, and you were, I mean, you're still on the field at that point, it's pretty... Pretty amazing, Daryl. Let's switch it to not on the field because, you know, we have the coronavirus going on right now and it's a terrifying time for people, but people are also looking for a little entertainment and excuse to do something other than watch the news right now, at least for a little bit. If you were going to tell baseball fans to YouTube one New York Mets game and go back and, and see it, if they could, what would you want them to dial up, Daryl? Well, I would probably say the night, uh, the 86, 86, um, clinching at home against the Chicago Cubs. I think that was a remarkable time for us, a remarkable night, you know, for us to remember. Yeah, of course, we went on to win the World Series that year. But I think about uh, us that year, and we had such a big lead uh, in the division, and we went to Philly and St. Louis, and we lost. We got swept there, and we came home, and, and Doc Gooden was pitching that night against the Cubs, and it was just the ballpark was just on fire. And, and remembering when we clinched, and we just remembered all the fans running on the field. I remember seeing that before in Major League Baseball from watching television, watching games, and saying, one day I want to be a part of that. And there it was, you know, being a part of that. So I, I would always tell them, go back and watch that and how the fans uh, took over the field. And I was just happy for them, you know, because it had been so long, and, and they deserve it more than anything. Yeah. Have you talked to Doc at all recently? I, yeah, I talked to him all. I talked to him quite a bit, so he's doing well, and I'm happy about that. That team, Daryl, we've talked about this before, and but I can never talk about it too much. Maybe the greatest collection of talent in the history of baseball. Is that going too tall? When you're talking about Doc Gooden in his prime, when you're talking about the grit of that team, 
a young Daryl Strawberry hitting bombs. I mean, where do you think that team resides in baseball history? Well, I think it, it, it sits at the top. You know, when you look at all around, you know, from Carter, Hernandez, Ray Knight, um, Wookie Wilson, Lenny Dykstra, Kevin Mitchell, you know, Wally Backman, and Rafael Santana. And, you know, like I said, and you look at the bench we had and you look at the players we had and you look at Lenny, actually look at what we were all about. You know, the, you know, the, the confidence that we had in ourselves. And we, we just believed that we could beat anybody. It didn't matter if we were down. We always looked around and said, we're going to win this ball game. I mean, we could, we could be down five, nothing in, in the second inning. We knew we were going to come back and win that ball game because that's just the kind of team we had. So it was, it was the most remarkable team uh, that I ever played on. Yes, I played on a great, um, 98 Yankee team too, you know, but uh, I, I I can't remember so many personalities like like we had on that 86 team that uh, was so fun, you know, because everybody had their own little ways about who they were and everything. But when we stepped on the field, it was it was all about winning. If everybody was doing the right things off the field on that 86 team, and let's just say you all were eating kale and doing yoga three times a day, how many World Series does that Mets team win? Well, we, we, I'm quite sure we should have, you know, won more, you know, but we wasn't doing yogurt. We wasn't drinking milk. So, it was, you know, <laughs> it was just a different time. You know, we we were living it up and New York loved us and we loved our fans. We loved the Mets fans. It's incredible, Daryl, that you're beloved by both Yankee and Met fans. I can't think of anybody who's played for both teams that has the love on both sides of town like that. Do, do you appreciate it? Do, do you feel that? I'm forever grateful for New York City. There, there's no question about it. The fans are remarkable here. They have such great knowledge and understanding about sports and players. And uh, either they either they like you or they don't. They, you know, they they've always uh, took me in a, in a place in their heart, and they liked me regardless of what I was going through. They just thought, you know, this guy he he's not afraid. You know, he, he keeps getting up, and and that's what New York is all about. You know, it's about getting up. Can you get up? You know, can you? Can you stand in the middle of the pressure and perform at this level? And, and you know, I, I love that about New York City, and I'm all, always forever grateful for that. What does the day to day look for you right now, Daryl? Are you doing your social distancing? How you how are you spending your time? My day is busy. You know, my schedule is busy. I'm probably traveling maybe like 250 times out of the year. I'm ordained ministering. I'm an evangelist, and I'm in a whole different uh, life now. And you know about just excited about, you know, where my life is and, and encouraging people, uh, you know, especially with colon cancer because I've experienced that and, and just all kind of areas of helping kids and, you know, just doing great things to bring awareness of a great, great project like today. As far as, like, be, people being in church right now, how are you guys tackling that? Because it's, it's obviously a challenge. It's a very, it's a challenge in everything. It's a challenge in, you know, not just that, not just churches, but, you know, sports arenas and, you know, jobs, you know, I mean, everybody's on the edge right now. And we just got to, you know, we got to really be patient as people. And we just got to understand that this will pass just like anything else. Uh, but we just got to be very patient because we're in a crisis now with coronavirus. I, I'm assuming you have no, I know you have no knowledge about this, but are you hearing from anybody in Major League Baseball as to when the season potentially could get underway? I saw somebody t- talking yesterday about June 1st, which, I, almost that almost seems optimistic at this point. Uh, yeah, I really don't know at this point, and, and like I said, they got to be concerned about the health of people and the health of people coming to the ballpark. You know, it's a major risk if you take if you're not ready. If it's not, we're we're not at a place where we're ready to um, have people come back into the ballpark. Because now we're talking about kids, you know, possibly getting sick, and you really don't want that because that that would be very difficult to, and very hard to deal with if you get so many kids get sick. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right, two more for you, Daryl, real quick here. Number one, if I made Daryl Strawberry commissioner of baseball and you were in charge with doing, I'm going to give you one or two things to speed up the game, make it a little bit more exciting for the youth of America to watch who always want action, what would you do, if anything? Get rid of instant replay. (laughs) It's a waste of time. You know, either you make the call and you live with it and, you know, uh, get rid of that, you know, to keep keep the game flowing instead of stopping in the middle of it. You know, I, I, I think that's just a big waste. Okay. What about the strike zone? Would you widen it? I'd like to see a bigger strike zone, Daryl. Letters to the knees. Well, I think it's always been uh, a, a pretty big strike zone. I mean, I, I, I think 
I think they're doing well in that area. You know, I, I think it's probably other areas of the game, you know, that I would like to come back is, you know, you can break up a double play and you can run the catcher over, you know, because we used to do that back in our day. So they've gotten away from that, you know, and they kind of made it a little softer for it, you know. You can't break up double plays and go and fly it hard and, and you can't run the catcher over. He, he blocks the plate, I'm running him over. So Daryl Strawberry is old school. Yeah, I'm old school. I'm old school baseball player. So I'm not, I'm not new school. I'm not used to running around and, and not trying to break up a double player or run the catcher over. So yeah, I mean, if if we put Daryl out there in 2020, you still want to steal a bag, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I probably can't steal a bag now. I can't run like I used to. <laughs> <laughs> but in your prime, you could do it. We know in that. In my prime, I can do it. Yeah, no question about it. Yeah. All right, last last one, Daryl. What do you on, on the way out here? Is there anything we need uh, that we didn't touch on as far as uh, uh, colon cancer and co- I should say colorectal cancer? Uh, you know, and, and where can we go for more information? You mentioned sixty nine bucks. It's easy to get yourself checked out. But uh, last thing you want people to know? Yeah, go to uh, let's get let's get checked dot com. I think that's the most important thing. People go to the website, learn more about it, get more information about it. Check in, you know, check in before you check out. That's what I tell people, you know, it's, it's a good thing that you have a campaign like this where you're able to check in and it's online for you and it doesn't cost you much. And and don't run in fear, you know, and stop, you know, stop being too busy and, and make time for yourself and your health because your health is important. Four-time World Series, eight-time All-Star and uh, a Hall of Fame human being. Daryl, great to talk to you, my friend. Always good to catch up. All right, you too, Mark. Thanks a lot. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.